Hi and welcome to the Maria to Surf podcast. Today we've got a really special guest with us on the phone. It's ex-England and current Premier League player Phil Jagielka. Morning Phil, how are you? Yeah, good thanks. Good. Before we get going with the questions, I just wanted to um, introduce you and uh, let let the listeners know what you've done in your career so far. I mean, like I say, current current Premier League player at the moment with Sheffield United. Uh, Phil's played uh, 258 appearances in total uh, for Sheffield United over his two spells there. He's also played uh, over 300 times, uh, one of the most capped Everton players of all time. Um, Phil's also represented his country, England under-21s, uh, the England B team and the uh, men's senior team, uh, captain in England um, a number of times as well. So we're a real special guest with us today. So thank you, Phil, for joining us. Uh, first question, Phil, I wanted to ask you um, is, what's your earliest memory? How old were you when you first started playing the game? And can you remember like one of the earliest periods of, um, of you starting to play? Um, I can't remember exactly, but I think I remember being around about seven. My birth, my birth is in August, so yep. obviously the way it's, it obviously works with the school year and stuff. Obviously, I'm the last one to get to get my birthday, so I'd have been sort of playing with eight eight year olds most of the time when I was seven, and vice versa all the way through sort of the ranks. But yeah. um, I remember playing pretty under nines when I was seven. I used to play up front. I used to be a lot smaller, quite quick, and uh, as as you imagine, most children growing up or kids growing up. Uh, dream about being the, the hero and the goal scorer, and I was I was no different. You know, I really enjoyed scoring goals and, and winning round. Yeah, uh, I had a, I, I had I had a big brother. I had got a big brother um, who's four years older than me, which obviously at that time is is a significant age different. And um, he played up front. He was a little jinky winger as well. So um, he was someone obviously that I I tried to emulate growing up really. And do you think that helped? I'm just. Do you think that helped you with your career? You know, playing like you said against older players uh, when you was younger, and obviously also having an older brother. Yeah, I think um, obviously football's changed a lot now. There's a lot more academies, a lot more soccer schools, a lot more uh, involvement at school and all sorts. You know, obviously we're going back quite a, a decent amount of time when I was um, seven, unfortunately. Uh, 30 years ago a lot's changed um, so I think that was the way to test yourself I think if you stayed in your own age group and you were um, above average you, you you wouldn't develop so it was up to me to sort of step up you know from being a 7 year old playing against a 9 and 10 year old um, is a big difference but at the same extent like you say it does, uh, you get bars off the ball or they're a bit quicker and strong and you have to find other ways to sort of get past them and, and still well for me score a goal um, back in those days yeah, of course. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, moving on slightly, uh, Phil. Um, when you um, when you were fifteen, you, you well, you trained at Everton, Stoke, and Man City before you joined Sheffield United at fifteen. What made you choose Sheffield United as a club, and what's your favourite memory from your youth soccer days? Um, I think obviously I was I, the academies weren't around so much at the time, so it was a case you were sort of associated with the team. So that was the Stoke connection. Then I went to Everton for. 18 months or so and it came to the time obviously when you're 15 14 15 it's like time to get told if you're going to get what it is as a yts it's a scholarship uh, program these days um, where you sign for at least sort of two years three years and then um you know you become part of the youth team and and try and work your way through i, I got told at Everton at the time i wasn't good enough um i was still quite small at the time uh, i went to man city uh, i won't lie it's probably the worst i'd ever played football because obviously my confidence was yeah was really knocked so um thankfully for me 
there was a little bit of a connection before uh, Chef Hugh and Everton, you know, Howie Kendall. Um, and he, he'd sort of, they'd, they'd found out who they were releasing. Uh, Chef Hugh found out who Everton were sort of releasing probably a week or so earlier than most other teams. So there was a little, obviously little whispers around. And yeah. um, at the time, I was I was invited to come and um, train with the youth team for a week. That's which uh, was a little bit scary. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine now. Um, I was now 15 and I was potentially going to be training with 17, 18-year-olds uh, that do it week in, week out. So, um, you know, I jumped to the opportunities not too far. I'm a Manchester lad. Yeah. Um, you know, coming across uh, the, um, the hills and stuff wasn't too bad. Uh, I, I came in. Um, I was I was greeted, obviously, by uh, both Russell and um, Steve Miles, who I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, told me basically just to get on with it, enjoy myself. We'll have a practice game, uh, like a trialist game um, in a few days. Um, and then we'll have um, we'll have you here for a week or two. And, and let's just see how it progresses. And I think, um, like I say, I settled in really well. It was difficult. I was tested. Obviously, the, the lads wouldn't say they were mean, but they, they would at least, you know, ask you a few questions, like what position do you play? As yeah. soon as you announce the position, they'd say, we don't need any of them here. And you'd be like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. But they'd be, they'd be little tests. Yeah. Obviously, as I alluded to before, I had an older brother who'd been through all this. He was at Stoke at the time. Um, and he, he obviously gave me a few decent words of advice, you know, just keep your head down, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah. you know, it helped me through it. We had, had a couple of practice games. That, that I think it was a second or the third practice game, I remember quite well. It probably sealed the deal. Um, yeah, I scored a pretty good goal in that one and played pretty well. So I think that pretty much um, made um, Steve's and Russ's mind up to, to yeah. offer me. I saw a three-year scholarship, moved to Sheffield then, yeah. and then obviously um, started pre-season, so um, it was fantastic, Fan- one yeah. of the best times, I still speak to a lot of the lads I was in the youth team with in the and, and early days of the pro, and yeah. that was down to obviously the, the, the squad and the team that we put together under Steve and, and Russ. That's brilliant, yeah, I, I mean, during when you're speaking, you mentioned a couple of times um, going through a little bit of adversity there, being, being told, obviously, at Everton, uh, they, didn't think, they didn't think he was good enough. And obviously going then to Sheffield United and then uh, some of the lads were like, well, we don't need any of you lot here uh, in your position. And obviously being a, mental toughness is a big part of the game. And I think as a, as, a, as a soccer player, as a football player, at some stage, whether it's going to be early in your career or later on, or you might get it all the way through, there's going to be, there's going to be tests to your mentality. And I think, um, would you say it's a really important quality to have if you to make um, to play at a high level? Yeah, definitely. I think, and, and um, I, I've always openly spoke spoke about this. When you're sort of 15, 16, 17, um, it's when you start turning into sort of being a man and moving away from home, um, having to look after yourself a little bit, you know, um, it's your own timekeeping, the training sessions. And I think we had the perfect um, setting, you know, the perfect setup at Sheffield. Uh, we had a really, really good, strong group of lads. We were, we were a pretty good team together, which obviously helped. Yeah. I think both coaches, well, we had Steve, who would normally come and put your arm around you uh, when you need anything. And we had Russ, who would, who would, who would rule a little bit more with an iron fist. Um, and I think it worked both ways, because I, I think some of the lads maybe got away with it too much, didn't end up um, probably going as far as they should have done in, in, in their footballing terms. But the lads obviously um, dealt with you know the emotions and the, the ups and downs a little bit better and, and used both Steve and and Russ and, and and people around them a bit better um, yeah. tended to go forward and like I say there's been many tests throughout the career you know 20 years of playing football there's, there's plenty of ups and downs injuries and things like that 
Um, and for me, it's all about the people around you. Uh, yeah. that can help you get through that. That's great. No, it's great for our players at the club to listen to that, uh, Phil. Um, now, moving on quickly, you moved your, um, sorry, you made your first team debut uh, for Sheffield United in May 2000 against Swindon Town. It's in the final first division match of the um, of the season, uh, whilst you were actually still a trainee. Do, can you remember a lot about that experience? And do you remember, <laughs> a, do you remember signing your first pro contract? Uh, yeah, the, the actual game itself. I think I came on at right back. Okay. And I literally just ran, or ran, if I ran up and down for, I don't know if it was about eight minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. I didn't even really know what I was doing. And it's, it's all a bit of a haze, but I just remember being really tired and running really fast. That was basically, that was um, all I can remember about the, uh, my, my debut. But yeah. um, contract-wise, um, no, it was a little bit difficult, actually, contract-wise, talking about adversity. I was due to sign my contract, and then we had a change of manager. Right. And then everything changed, and then the youth team people changed. Uh, Russ and Steve went. We got uh, Ronnie Reed and, and um, Kevin Fogg came in, and you know, bear in mind, I was I was going to sign ahead of my time. It was really, you know, really exciting, positive time. And before you know it, I was I wouldn't say I was back to square one, but I was back to you know having to sort of go and prove myself. But thankfully, there was still a few people around, you know, that were there previously, and there was whispers about obviously how well I'd done. I was obviously one of the sort of more exciting ones to look forward to out of my age group and um, thankfully it probably only took me another four months to sign a contract but you know I was literally ready to sign it within like a week or so and then I had to sort of patiently wait yeah. bide my time sort of prove to everyone that I, I was um, capable of, of playing at that level and uh, thankfully uh, people people agreed yeah yeah. I mean um, growing up Phil how did your parents influence how did your parents influence you and who's been would you say so far the biggest influence uh, in the soccer world for you? I think obviously parents-wise and, and family. Um, yeah. Obviously, they went yeah. through it a little bit. They went through something very similar with my brother. They got a bit of an experience. Uh, my my mum took me, my brother, my sister played netball. Literally, I think she was, must have been out of the house. <laughs> you know, my dad worked long long days and nights and things. Mum must have been out of the house. You know, ninety percent of the time, most weekdays, and if you know one of us wasn't doing something we were watching the other one so it was quite a busy household as far as sports and things go so you know i always um, you know i've always thanked them and, and and looked at them as much as i can because obviously without their sort of um taxi skills minimum <laughs> yeah um i wouldn't have got to half the places um as far as sort of managers and coaches it's really difficult you know my family's always been close to me always um stood by me always helped me you know um do what I need to do because I think it can be quite selfish at times. You do go away, you do have to eat the right things, have to do go to sleep. So it is quite a selfish um, job sometimes. You know, you can't do the things that most of the families do, summer holidays and and stuff like that. You know, so patience is a is a key. Yeah. Uh, Manager wise, it's difficult. I've got so many because obviously I've played for for so many years now. There's 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 certain sort of chapters yeah. in my career. You know, the first one getting getting to a professional club. So obviously Russ and Steve. Yeah. Um, give me that chance. Give me the option. Um, then um, Neil Warnock, who, who wasn't known to be someone who would do a lot for the youth team, gave you know two or three of us a chance to to play. Yeah. We obviously we were, we we did him a good um, you know a good job and, and it made him look good, but he, he still could have chose to play someone else. Yeah. So I'd say I'd say so that was the foundation of making me into a professional footballer, but it, uh, into sort of an international. You know, David Moyes did a fantastic job for me. Yes. He. Um, Obviously, took me to Everton. He, he he put me in the team. Um, he kept me in when I did well, and and you know progressed forward. But you know I've had some fantastic coaches and stuff since. But yeah. 
you know, I think the early days, the early six six to eight years of my career, I think pretty much molded me into uh, the professional that I am. And um, you know, the what the people who played uh, key roles know who they are, and um, those in my family would would definitely be up there. Yeah, that's great, Phil. I mean, you mentioned then obviously moving to Everton and playing for David Moyes. Um, you'd eventually signed for Everton, obviously in two thousand and seven, and the deal was worth uh, four million on a five year contract. Uh, was it an easy decision for you, Phil, to sign for Everton, uh, leaving Sheffield United, or was it a, was it a tough one? Oh, it was it was it was horrible. Um, obviously, we got relegated last game of the season. I was in tears. I'd, yeah, you know, my career was was going forward. You know, I, I, I needed to stay in the Premier League. I wanted to. I was getting like a B international game for England, so everything was was moving forward and taking away all the emotions everything was telling me that I had to stay in the Premier League emotions no, I was desperate to stay bounce back straight back up with Sheffield make sure we we got back there but um, you know at the time there was a Carlos Tevez deal obviously and probably not a lot of you listeners will probably know a lot about that when they signed Mascarano and, and Tevez yeah. illegally yeah. and obviously there was a suit there was like a counter suit and a suit and a court case and things and yeah. you know I had to go back to pre-season at Sheffield because the, the, the court case hadn't been done so I literally went back for one day, <laughs> the court case was settled, and then obviously I was sold. So it was a yeah. bit of a strange exit, but it was really, really difficult. You know, I met some great people. Yeah. I say people that gave me a chance and, and the type of people um, you want to play for. But like I say, I couldn't pass, pass up the opportunity. I was going to go and play in the Premier League for a very success, successful club, a club that had finished in the top five um, for, for a couple last couple of seasons. and. Um, it was a step forward for me, uh, especially obviously with Sheffield going down. So it was a really difficult decision, but yeah. one that I took with my family and I would say I'm, I'm definitely delighted I did it um, there and then. Of course, and you had a fantastic career, obviously, at Everton. I mean, I've got down here, you made uh, over 386 appearances in the 12 years. Uh, you have in total playing in the Premier League. Uh, you got your UEFA Cup memories, scoring goals, important goals along the way. Can you tell us... It's difficult to probably sum up on a on a conversation, but your fondest memories about the the days uh, back at Everton and uh, the early days. Um, it's difficult to wrap it all in one. You know, I was I'm lucky enough. I got because people are a bit pretty bored with this virus thing and all sorts of moments. I've been getting sent a few things, um, you know, via social media. I got a really nice video which I put up on my own Instagram. Yeah. Of my little bit, my little classic memories of of Everton and. It was one of going in goal for Sheffield and, and things like that. And, yeah. you know, looking back, it's difficult to remember them all. Um, obviously, I scored a goal at Anfield, which everyone um, still speaks about, still obviously sends me clips and all sorts. <laughs> I think uh, another major one for me was uh, I, I snapped my uh, ACL, my cruise ship, um, and I was out for 10 months. Um, and I, I came back ahead of schedule because um, we'd had some people sent off. And I came on after 60 minutes away at Sport in Lisbon. Uh, we ended up losing the game, but I got the best reception ever from our travelling away fans in Europe. And I think, um, you know, stuff like that, you, yeah. you look back on and, um, you know, as a kid, you, you dream that, you, you know, score the win in a final or you do things like that. But, you know, not many not many people get to do that. Uh, for me, I've been lucky enough, obviously, to play in a World Cup, to play for my country and, and have, you know, uh, a hell of a lot of people sort of sing your name and appreciate all the work you've done. And I think, uh, you know, I do eventually hang my boots up. These will be the memories that I look back on. Uh, even the reception I got back at Sheffield, you know, I came on against Crystal Palace. Um, I think it was our first home game of the season. Yeah, and uh, the reception was fantastic. And obviously, most of those fans may not even watch me play. So, um, yeah, like all the stuff is is the reason you play football, and um, you know, you you want to be loved and appreciated. And at the moment, 
uh, looking back at those sort of memories, um, you know, brings a smile to my face. That's great. No, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, that's great, Phil. I mean, we have a question here that ties into one of the questions I wanted to ask you as well. It's from one of our players who plays actually for our under-13s uh, USSDA team. Uh, his name's Tristiano, and his question was to you. Um, in 2008, you got your first international cap for England. Uh, he wants to yeah. know, was it hard to earn that position as a player? And going on from that, he wants to know, do you get nervous still sometimes when you're playing in front of a, a ton of fans? I think trying to get an international cap was difficult at the time. We had a we had a lot of very good centre halves, um, and it was difficult to break that. You know, it was the time obviously when Man U, Chelsea were sort of probably competing for the Premier League the most. So you had obviously John Terry's, Urios, Wes Browns. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or Jolly and Lescott, uh, Man City. You had obviously Lescott. You had people you know that were doing really well at the time. So it was a case of just biding your time. I must have been in. You know, I made my debut, and I must have been in. 10, 15 other squads when I didn't get to play any games at all. So it was the case of just trying to hang around, you know, just keep improving, keep improving. Uh, the funny thing was, a little story about my first cap. We played USA at Wembley. I was on the bench. Yeah. Um, and then we flew out to Trinidad and Tobago to play a um, to play a friendly there. And before the game, we we uh, between the two parties, we agreed that we could make as many substitutions as possible. So I think we made six substitutions I think we made or seven yes and then when we when we, when we actually flew back to England uh, the FA someone complained to the FA and they were going to void the game because we'd made too many subs even though we'd both agreed it oh, wow. on both parties so there's me thinking to myself you know this is potentially <laughs> the only chance I'm ever going to play for England and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get my cap uh, taken off me but no that was my first cap Trinidad and Tobago away yeah uh, as far as nerves I think it, I think the nerves change as you get older I think obviously you get nervous initially. You know you're not used to playing in front of crowds, and there's certain pitches where the crowd feels a lot closer. There's certain grounds that, are, that, that there's a lot more people in than than uh, others. But I think as you get to play, you get more confident and you're aware that they can't really affect you too much. You know, it's your teammates, it's what you do, it's the preparation, you know, from the coaches and all sorts that go into the game. Obviously, you can still feel an atmosphere. You know, they can they can make you a little bit edgy sometimes or they can drive you on. But the majority yeah. of the time, it's down to sort of the team itself and, and, and you to perform. But I think as I've got older, I think um, you get a bit more apprehensive. Um, people don't, especially I'm playing now, I'm one of the older players, people don't expect you to still be able to play at a level uh, and are looking to uh, point out more often than not. So for me, yeah. it's just about proving to people that I still can do it at the top level. And um, Yeah. As long as I believe that, as long as my teammates believe that, and my uh, coaching staff believe that, that's all that matters. Exactly. Well, I think that's the only difference as you get older. Yeah. People will be quick to point out that, oh, he's either not got it anymore, he's he can't, you know, he's, he's lost a yard of pace, or, you know, he, he he's too injury. You no, know, there's loads of little things he can throw at you. But for me, that's that's the biggest. What's their concern? That's the biggest thing that that happens to me is people will question. Yeah. Um, my age, and unfortunately, I can't change that. There's nothing I can do to, to. Uh, to, 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 to you know to change my passport and it is what it is but yeah. for me as long as I can keep doing it and my teammates are happy then that's all that matters yeah of course yeah that's great is it a totally different experience Phil playing for England than it is your club team or would you say I mean you played over 40 times for England and scoring three goals was it completely different or do you feel like it was a, just another game uh, no it was it was different it was different emotions I think playing in qualifying <laughs> England qualified Every time with a pretty pretty good record, I think we won ten out of ten once, and 
and those was that. So qualifying was different because th- there was never that many games where you thought if we lose this we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. I think the only game we had that we played Poland. Uh, it was a must win. If we won, we qualified and we were going to the Euros. And it was a fantastic game to play. And it felt a bit more like a cup, cup atmosphere. You know, I've played at Wembley in semi-finals and things like that, and playoff finals and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it felt more like it felt more like an event. Whereas yeah, normally, yeah. if you imagine, if you go to Wembley and you play for England, yeah. the atmosphere is good, but it's not the same because you've got probably thirty different fan uh, people that support thirty different teams. Yeah. That either want their player playing instead of you, yeah. or they they want to, they want to chat more for their player that's playing the right wing more, more than the player that they plays on the the opposite team on the left wing. So it's a bit of a strange, yeah. you know. Like obviously, when you talk about other countries, I think that's what makes other countries a little bit simpler. Yeah, um, they don't have the passion for their own league as much as we do, or they don't have as many players playing in their own league. So there's not as much. Um, how can I put it? Kind of like a uh, rivalry, isn't it? For, I don't know. Yeah, there's, yeah. So basically, you've got England fans that are passionate to be English, but they've still got rivalries between them. Exactly. Because, yeah. Because of the way the Premier League is. So I think that was the only difference. I think qualifying campaigns were, were a lot easier to play in, but as soon as it went to like any sort of a competition um, or got to the nitty gritty, you could see the papers hyped it up. Yeah. The whole country itself hyped it up, and that's when, if you like, if there was ever any pressure to play football, that was probably the, the, the biggest time, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, obviously Everton's a fantastic club, and going back to your club after an uh, international, I mean the 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 the, his, the grand history the club's got and and things. It's a, an amazing club. But were you ever tempted to go for one of England's more kind of glamorous clubs? I'm saying like a maybe a Liverpool or hey, that'd have been a t- tough move from Everton to Liverpool or a Man, or a Man United or a, you know were you ever tempted to go to one of these other clubs? Um, it, it, it was never on the cards. I think there was whispers once that Arsenal were interested, but then they weren't looking to pay any money. So that was never there was never anything put on the table. So if, I think the way I looked at it, if, if I had a decision to make, then I'd think about it. Yeah. But there was never any decision for me to make. You know, I was made club captain. Uh, I was playing week in, week out. We were, we were challenging the top half of the league. We were trying to win cups. Yeah, there was still plenty for us to go on to, but. Yeah, it would have been interesting. You know, I had a good partnership yeah. with Jolie and Lescott, and then he obviously had the opportunity to go to Man City that were moving forward and spending a lot of money. Um, and he ended up getting out, winning championships, winning cups, etc., etc. You know, unfortunately for me, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, I never had the opportunity. So it was, it was quite simple for me just yeah. to sort of keep my head down and and deal with what I had. I was proud as punch, like you say, to be captain of a of such a you know a fantastic club like Everton. And um, Cool. You know, I was more than happy to stay. No, I totally understand that, Phil. I mean, uh, moving on then, you obviously you resigned for Sheffield United, where you are now, and um, it's their last year is their first year back in the Premier League, and obviously the team are currently, apart from the situation we were in at the moment, having a fantastic season back in the Premier League. What's the atmosphere like, or what has the atmosphere been like in the dressing room this season? Apart from the talent in the team. Do you think that the the atmosphere in the dressing room and the way uh, that the gaffer's got you playing um, has got a lot to do with the success so far? 100%. I think um, what I've noticed in football is um, once you can get um, some momentum, you've got to stick with it. And obviously this, these boys have had some momentum over the course of the last two, three years. Yeah. Getting promoted from the from League One, doing well in the Championship, getting promoted from the Championship, now in the Premier League. And it's all about momentum. Yeah. You know, you're going into a game and... Um, you know, no matter what happens, the guy next to you is going to be backing you all the way and trying his best. And you and you know what each other's going to do. If you, you know, if you can see the goal, you're looking. You know, you're not. There's no panic. There's no. Oh, not again. 
we've not scored for three weeks or we're never going to do this, never going to do that. You know, like you can just see every aspect, every box is ticked. You know, they work really hard. The boys work really hard in the gym, on the training pitch every day. Yeah. Um, tactically, um, the gaffer and Alan Neil work on them two, three times a week, even though they've been together for so long. Um, you know, touch wood, you know, the, the boys haven't got too many injuries, which helps them with gaffer massively. He's playing pretty much the same team. You know, he rotates probably the strikers a little bit. Yeah. He plays a team pretty much the same team week in, week out. Uh, we've managed to get hold of Dean Henderson, a good goalkeeper on loan from Man U, to, to, to obviously help the defence out as well. And um, like I say, I look around the change room, it's, it's one of the best change rooms I've been in. It's, it reminds me of the change room I sort of um, went into Everton for over the years, you know, under David Moyes, a lot of British based. And yeah. um, I think it, the, the big, obviously, uh, test and the exam will come of these lads now that. No one knew if they were Premier League players before the start of the season because not many of them played in there. Is is now to go and prove it, season upon season upon season. Yeah. And uh, that that'll be the hardest thing because you know we've seen plenty of good teams from other teams that have been one one season wonders and struggled next season. Um, you know I know this team won't because of the characters they've got, but you know they still got to go out and prove it once. Obviously, the virus is over and we can hopefully finish off the season strong and then come back and and start the next season well. Of course, of course. Uh, We've got, I've got two or three more questions for you. I'm going back to another question from um, our DA player, Tristiano, again. He wanted to know, um, uh, is there anything, or if you knew what you knew now, uh, when you first became a pro, do you think you'd have done anything more, anything differently or anything different to become a better player than you are now? Or what, what would you have done that, that, you've, um, that you've kind of learnt on the way? Um, it's difficult to, to say what would I have done exactly. Um, it's really hard because you have to stay to stay in the game and stay at this level for the years I have. Yeah, not many people are able to do that. There's obviously things you pick up along the way, you know, but the football itself changes. So the stuff that I've learned over the course of the last 10, 15 years, you know, in, in two or three years more time will will be irrelevant. You know, I'm still learning. I'm I'm 37. I'm still learning. You know, the, the rules are changing. We've got VAR. We've got yeah. You've got all sorts going off these days, the offside rule and stuff like that. So it's difficult to say one exact thing. Um, but it's hard to put my finger on it, to be honest. It's just all part of being experienced. Of course. I think if you're a young, you're a young lad, you're not supposed to have all the experience and you, and you play a slightly different way. As you get older, um, you think a little bit more and you're a bit more calm um, and collective. So yeah. you know, there's not too many... Young players I've seen, maybe John Stone's one of the only ones that's probably cool, calm and collective when he was about 21, 22. But other than that, normally, it comes with a little bit of um, age and experience. Of course, yeah. Did you have a role model when you was growing up, Phil? Did you have um, someone you looked up to? Um, not massively, because it's, it was difficult. We only we only had sort of match of the day. We didn't have, you know, we weren't able to watch millions and millions of football like they can watch now on the internet, on yeah. Sky or Fox or whatever you've got, you know. Uh, so probably the biggest influence football-wise was, was I've alluded to before was my brother. He was the one that would take me out into the park and maybe instead of you know shooting each other, we'd be doing long-range passing or like a keepy-uppy competition or or you know something that he'd be doing you know three four years further on yeah. rather than obviously what normal kids would do you know jump into the goalposts and and smash the ball at each other. So yeah, he he helped develop me. He sort of gave me. I probably didn't know at the time, um, you know. He guided me down a certain path, you know, like gave me a little bit of um, insight into what, what was going to happen over the course of the next two, three years of my football in life. And I just took it as him just just being him. But obviously, 
Yeah. Um, we speak about it now, and he and he laughs. <laughs> you know, the little bits of guidance and stuff he said, and he said you were not aware that I was trying to help you out. You just sort of smiled at me and got on with it. And like I say, um, we are pretty close still. We have a laugh and a joke and and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely he'd he'd be definitely one of the the main key key people. You know, role models as I was growing yeah. up. It's funny because obviously I'm I'm a little bit older than you myself as well. And like, like your brother, I remember playing against your brother as well when. Um, I played, and I know your brother was at a few professional clubs uh, when he was younger, and he played for some decent, um, decent clubs as well. So it must have been great for you to have that, as you know, have him as a brother too. Uh, I mean, what would you, would what, what advice could you give to our players? I mean, uh, at the club, is it is it going out there and practicing with friends or uh, siblings, and going out there and being really dedicated? And is it the hours you put in? Is it watching? Like you've mentioned, kids can go on now onto YouTube and watch anything they basically want on the game. And there's what kind of advice would you give young kids now, especially at our club at Marietta Surf, to um, to go and kick on to the next level? I think there's a fine balance. I think you can, you know, don't stay at home and watch every single video about how to do the best tricks in the world because. You know, it might be the the best trickster, but that's not just football. I've seen people that can, you know, go to parties and can to juggle a ball, you know, incredibly and, and do stuff like that, but can't really play football. Um, I think it's do a little bit of studying. Um, but like the main thing is just 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 play football, enjoy it. I think if you're not enjoying it and you feel like it's a a little bit of a of a slug and a little bit of a hassle, and you feel like you're doing sort of homework and oh, I don't want to be doing this why am I doing this Keep why am I doing 50 keep up in the garden or why am I trying to practice my penalties or why am I, if you start asking yourself those sorts of questions because yeah, you don't feel like you're enjoying it and there's no point in the whole football if you end up having a successful career whether it be 2, 5, 10, 15 years of football you will play a lot of football um, don't don't get too um, like ahead of yourself you, you, you will progress you will develop in all sorts you know you'll get good coaches you, you'll get good facilities and things like that just go and enjoy yourself and if it means you're know, going to play with your friends your brothers your siblings in the garden having a competition with your dad yeah. uh, having a laugh and a joke just keep yourself fit and healthy I think the, the, the longer you smile whilst playing football the better uh, when it starts becoming serious professional as much as we still love it, and everyone will tell you who plays football, they still do. The smiles don't seem to last as long because everything seems a little bit more serious, and there's there's like jobs on the line. You know that everything's a bit more, do you know what I mean, straightforward um, yes. when you're younger. Yes. You go out and play football, enjoy yourself, and try and get better. I think that's the simplest one. Enjoy it. If you enjoy it, there's a 99% chance you end up getting better. If you don't enjoy it, uh, it's not going to last very long. So uh, enjoyment for me would be the, would be the main. A goal for the kids. Hey, do you not feel that? I that's great because we we literally spoken to um, uh, Steve Nickel yesterday. Obviously, ex Liverpool player Steve, and he virtually answered this, the question or similar question that I've just an, asked you in the same way. You know, the kids got to have a smile on their face, and it's you know when they get drop, dropped off at training, it's great for them to go and have a smile on their face. And when they pick them up as well, if they've got a smile on their face at the end of the day. Yeah, that's not all that matters, but it's a massive part of um, of, of growing up and uh, getting better. I've not I've not seen too many successful grumpy footballers. Yeah. So there's the odd one that might be a little bit sulky and, <laughs> and might pretend. But the majority majority of them, you know, they dance when they score, they go and celebrate, they hug each other. You know, the high, you, you can see how happy people are, and yeah. and that's what makes you know the, the people at the top level. And it is all about making people happy. You know, making the fans happy. Um, and stuff like that and for me um, if football can do that um, no matter what sort of ability you've got then football's the winner that's great listen Phil I'm going to uh, let you go we've taken a lot of your time and 
Um, we just wanted to, if this season ever finishes, uh, we want to wish you the best for the rest of the season. On behalf of, obviously, Steve Miles and the, the everyone at Marietta Surf, we want to thank well, you for your time today. And uh, listen, the best, uh, the, all the best for the rest of the season. And uh, we really appreciate your time today. No worries, any time. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you. Take it easy. See you later.